For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham. Because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's three up top this evening and leading the line from the front and wearing the captain's armband is Cole. So Cole, how have things been in this past week? Yeah, really good, thanks, Dan. Um, again, everything's ramping up a little bit more. We've seen the game. Um, so, yeah, a lot to look forward to and a lot to discuss, mate. Well, I'm delighted to announce that James has thankfully defeated his internet connection issues and makes his long way to return this evening. So, James, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. It's a pleasure to have you back. How have you been since we last spoke? Yeah, not too bad, thanks, mate. It's uh, it's good to be back. It's uh, I guess it's the first step back to normality, um, getting back and talking about Tottenham a little bit with you guys. So, yeah, yeah, I've been, I've been looking forward to it and uh, it's great to be back. Great to hear your voice, Dan. Top man. And also completing tonight's trio is Sean Cook, who runs the excellent Talking THFC Twitter account. Sean, you make your return to the show tonight. I hope all is well with you, mate. Yeah, very good. Thank you, mate. Great to, great to be back on the show. Fantastic. Right, let's get the social media bits out of the way first so we can dissect all the latest talking points and more in full. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Coming News Spurs app where the podcast is available each and every Tuesday morning. You can, of course, follow us across social media. We're on Twitter at COYS underscore COM. And we're on all the major audio platforms, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, you name it, we're on there. Right, let's get down to business. And that business looks like we're now less than a fortnight away from Tottenham finally getting their Premier League campaign back underway. And with that in mind, I'm going to offer up a listener's question first. So the first one comes from Joanne Mohammed, who asks, due to lack of games and fitness... She's seen Bundesliga results be a bit crazy. And can we expect that from a Spurs point of view? Now, to be fair, we've sort of already touched on that over the last two weeks. So I'm going to expand on that slightly. And I'm going to say, with nine games of the season left to go, how many points do you think we will accumulate during that spell? So there's obviously a nine-game burst. Carl, I'll start with you. I'll offer it to all three of you. What's your take? How many points do you reckon we'll get out of 27? Oh, that's a, that's a real challenging question, isn't it, Dan? And as I say, given the fact that no one knows how anyone returns, you know, will we return playing the same kind of football we were before the break or if we had a refresh and we're now all ready to go? Um, I would say out of 27, if I'm honest with you, I'm going to say we might manage to scrape around 22. 22? And, I, and I, I think that's that's where I'm looking and hoping uh, because for me, I just get the impression if there's some of these teams that don't have much to play for, I think they're just seeing this season out and we might be able to take um, take a little bit or get some benefit from that. Um, so I'll go with around 20, 20 to 22 points, I think we'll take. OK, if we take the top end then, 20, 22 points, that's what, seven wins, a draw and one loss out of nine. Not too shabby at all. James, do you think that's realistic? Higher, lower? What's your take? Yeah, I, I, I was going to go about 19, 20 points. Um, I, I think Carl's got makes a great point. Uh, there are some teams that aren't going to have anything to play for, but you know, every team is itching to get playing football again. Um, and so I, I don't think that these teams are going to be playing flat football. I think it's going to be quite open, um, especially with the with the new substitutes rule. I think we're going to see a, a real injection uh, in in the second half. So it's going to be. I think it would be quite high scoring and uh, uh, and quite open. Um, obviously, we've got a lot to play for, so so we're going to be going hell for leather in every game. Um, and I, I can't see why why we wouldn't win, you know, six or seven out out of the uh, out of the last out of the last nine. 
um, with with the attacking firepower that we've got and, and with everyone coming back uh, from into full fitness. So, um, you know, fingers crossed. I, I think around 19, 20 points, maybe maybe even more if if uh, if we can get the right system and keep everyone fit. Most importantly. Right, so some confident predictions from the first two. It was looking roughly about six, seven wins. Sean, are you happy with that? More, higher? What's your take? I was going to say, I think we accidentally bring down the tone there. But I, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think, as James said, I think 19 is a, is a good optimistic target. I think we've got, obviously, regardless of the circumstances and you know the training and the, the lack of football the boys have had over the last three months, I think we, we've got some very difficult fixtures and possibly one of the hardest run-ins of, of any of the top six sides. We've obviously got United, West Ham, Arsenal, Leicester, Everton, all still to come to White Hart Lane. Um, and, and the way that the fixtures are going to fall aren't particularly kind either. I mean, it, it could result in us playing every three, four days until the end of July. So, um, it, yeah, the fixture list is quite unforgiving and obviously we've got some tough fixtures, but... I think 19 points could be a, a nice positive one. That, that's how I'll end my bit, I reckon. Personally, I was going to be as pessimistic as possible and say 18, because I reckon with the fixtures that you sort of said, Sean, and you're looking at five wins, three draws, a defeat. So, you know, not a bad run, but I just feel that there are some tough games in there. And to win as many as suggested, you know, six or seven is still quite a big ask. And we've got a team that, yes, is fully fit on paper, but there's that rest. It's integrating players back into the team. So, you know, Nate... 18 points isn't shabby, but I guess with the gap we need to make, that still you know, might not be enough. So hopefully I'm wrong and you, you three are sort of closer to where we are. But it'll be interesting to see who is right come the end of the season. Right, so I've got another listener's question and it's from Roscoe with loads of other letters after his Twitter handle. So he asks, um, and also thanks for sending this one in because we're now opening the transfer tavern. So everyone pull up a chair, pour yourself a drink because we're open for business. And he asks, what signings do we have to make to get back up to where we belong he reckons our rightful position being the top four. So he's going for a treble of Benfica's Ruben Diaz, Wolves' Ruben Neves and Norwich's Max Aaron. So it looks like, Carl, from Roscoe's point of view, he's going for a centre-back, a defensive midfielder and a right-back. If we were to get all three, that would be a relatively impressive set of dealings, wouldn't it? Yeah, if you were to get those sort of three, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't grumble, would you? Um, for, for me, I think we, we need to get two full-backs. That, that's... That's the key for me. Um, I think when you look at centre-backs, I, I don't see the point in us spending the money there right now because I think, you know, when you've still got Toby, you know, Yan may possibly give us another year. Um, we've got, you know, Davidson. And now, obviously, you know, Tanganga's coming through who looks a real prospect. So, for me, I wouldn't be going out and worrying about a centre-back. But two full-backs, I think, is, you know, they, they are 100% needed because they, for me, are our real weak areas. So, Aaron's would sort one of those. Um, you know, midfield, again, if you look at this, this kind of squad, I think, again, we've got some decent cover and everything in there and, and we should have good enough players. But I, I would, for me, would just have to say we need to get a striker um, in there, someone who can take the burden and pressure off Harry Kane when he needs to, when it might be that time where he needs a bit of a rest throughout the season. Um, and, you know, you can chop and change, play with one up, two up at certain points. And, and I don't want, and I want to see a natural striker. I don't want to see a kind of wide man that suddenly has to fill in up top every now and then. I want us to go and get a backup striker. Or when I say backup, I don't like that word, backup striker. I want us to go and get somebody who can possibly start looking to kind of give, give Harry a bit of a headache and also, you know, compliment him at certain times. But the fullbacks are the real ones that, for me, if we don't improve in that area, 
then I still think defensively we'll have problems. Um, and unfortunately, given everything that's gone on, I can't see us bringing in the sort of you know quality in terms of fullbacks that we might need to right now. James, of course, when it comes to this time of year, it's always fancy football when it comes to transfer targets. With the three that Roscoe's just offered us, how realistic are they? If we look at the hierarchy of football and the ladder that teams find themselves in, it'd be fair to say that we'd be sort of looking down the ladder with the names that he's mentioned. So is it once, is it once again going to be a case of buying players that are not necessarily the finished article and will have to be developed once more to get to their true level? Are you happy with that? You know, How can you see this summer panning out for you? Obviously, it's not ideal, mate. Um, we we want to be buying players who who are proven uh, and and proven in the Premier League specifically would be uh, a great bonus. But uh, it, it, once a player has Premier League experience and, and once they've they've played for a top club in the Premier League, their their price absolutely skyrockets. And um, and uh, you know, unfortunately, in in the climate that we're in, um, it's very clear that Tottenham aren't going to have the the funds to to spend in the transfer market. Um, you know, Ruben Neves, take him for, for an example out of the three. He's been a quality Premier League footballer for, for two years now um, in what you'd argue is, is one of the, the, the new big six. So uh, the way Wolves are playing, he's absolutely instrumental in their setup. And, and to prize him away from Wolves would, you know, would leave a massive gap in their team. And so they'd, they'd, they'd command a, a massive fee for him. So... It's just not going to happen. Um, I know. I know the name that's been banded around is Hoybier from from uh, from Southampton, uh, and and it's it's the same question really. Um, if he if he's a cut price player, if they are going to let him go for for a cut price fee, then then it's a no brainer. He's got Premier League experience, and and it's it's you know it's filling a gap. It's another another body in a, in an area of the pitch that we need. Um, and, and, you know, as, as Carl rightly said, if we are going to have limited funds, then we have to prioritise certain positions in the team over, over others. Uh, and, and fullback is, is a massive, massive area that needs, uh, needs redevelopment. Um, certainly a right back, wh- whoever that may be. But, but you're absolutely right, Dan. It's, it's ha- going to have to be someone who isn't the finished article because, because we, we're not going to have the funds to, to be able to afford someone who, who is polished. Um, you know, we've we got lucky with Tanganga. I think he he certainly will do a job for us. Uh, and centre backs, I think we we are covered with uh, with players like Eric Dyer who can who can slot in there as well. But uh, I think we, we need bodies in midfield, uh, and and Hoybier would would be a good signing for us. But it, as, as I say, it all depends on the transfer fee. And, and if Southampton are, are going to are going to ask the air for him. Then you know we're going to have to make do with what we've got. If that means bringing Skip through, then then so be it. But we, you know, I, I, we we need to prioritise, and, and we're not going to have limitless funds, and we're going to have to sell some players as well to to try and make up some of that transfer budget. Of course, Sean, the market is going to be different due to all things COVID, and James has just alluded to it there. Do Tottenham now find himself in a sell to buy situation this summer? Any dreams of big outlay may just have to be put on the back burner. Yeah, I mean, I think for a long time now, and, and even pre Mourinho and during the Pochettino era, I think we, we've been long overdue a clear out. And I think, given the circumstances of, of the market at the moment, what's going in the world, I think a clear out this summer is something we're, we're desperate for. And, and I've very much always been under the impression of if we want to try and attract those top players or the, you know the elite names that want to be playing Champions League football, we've got to surround them with with like minded players and. I don't think our squad's full of that at the moment. I think we've got 
a few members of the squad that that need to move on. Um, there's there's only you know it might sound quite harsh. I think there's only a pool of ten to twelve players in the current squad that I'd be desperate to keep. Um, you know, a, a few names that I, I wouldn't mind seeing move on. Um, a few that I think hold us back a little bit. So it'd be interesting to see what way we go. And, and as some of the boys mentioned there, we have got some youngsters there that I think could plug in some gaps rather well. I think the last game we saw at White Hart Lane before lockdown was was that Norwich game. And I think it's the best I've ever seen Oliver Skip. I thought he was um, just flawless that game. And and uh, I think he played better than Winks that night, which is, is saying something really, considering Winks has been inside for, for so long. But... If I had to go for a, a you know a real top name and someone that I think would would be quite fitting for us, I think uh, Donny Van der Beek would be a a really nice addition to the squad. Um, I think he would suit our style rather well. Um, I interestingly sat next to his dad at the IX semi final last year, um, and he he said that he'd love his boy to play somewhere like like White Hart Lane one day, um, and I think he'd be a really nice fit. I know Man United are obviously in for him and. Madrid have been linked with him quite closely in the past, but um, it's, it's going to be a really interesting summer. But I think a clear out is, is long overdue. Um, and if we can't bring in certain names, I think we've got some nice young players in your, your Tangangas and your Skips that, that could plug the gaps rather well. OK, Sean, I'll stay with you. You've been handed the pruning shears for the squad this summer. Obviously, on Twitter, you get some reactory statements that, you know, people are like, oh, I'd rather get rid of 12 players, which, yes, you could sort of see, you could run through a list of names and think, get rid, get rid, get rid, get rid. However, that's probably not likely due to you need incomings as well. So how many names do you reckon will depart and what kind of names would you put on the chopping list? Um, it, it's, it's, it's tricky, isn't it? I mean, there's, there's so many players in, in the squad now. We've got a lot of youngsters coming through and, and sometimes we can't name a full bench with, you know, with senior players because of that. But I think, I think Hugo Lloris' time is probably up, um, if I'm being honest. I know... He's club captain and, and the responsibilities that come with that mean that it's, uh, it's a good member of the squad to have and, and obviously he won the World Cup not two years ago as well. Um, but I think his time is up now. Um, I think we've got a perfect captain waiting in the wings in Harry Kane. So I, I don't think the, the responsibilities that come with that would, would go missing. Um, but I think it's, it's time for him to move on and, and Michelle Vorm likewise. Obviously we had to bring him back to fill a gap earlier in the season. But I think the pair of them could move on. Um, I, I, it might, I might be quite controversial. I'm, I'm not. I'm not fully bought into the system we've currently got Harry Winks playing in. Um, and I, as much as he is a, a proper Spurs boy, and um, you know has been has been so fantastic for us over the last three or four years, um, I, I don't think quite think he suits that role anymore. Um, and I, I don't think Mourinho's too big a fan of him from what I've seen so far. So. I mean, if an offer came in for Harry Winks, as, as, as heartbreaking as that would be, I don't think a, a 20 to £25 million pound move is, is far away from him. I think he, he could get a move like that. Um, I think, sadly, we're going to probably lose Juan Foyth this summer. His, his agent spoke on TalkSport a little while ago, saying that he thinks he, he could move on this summer. They've had a lot of offers. Um, I, I'd be really gutted by that. I think Foyth's a real talent. Um, it'd be disappointing to see him move on. Um, but then we've got some fringe players as well. And I think we've got to forget we've got, you know, Jack Clark out on loan who, who's still due to come back. And, um, you know, the wage bill is probably chunkier than we might we might think. And we, we've spent a lot of money on some areas we perhaps didn't need. So if he was to go permanently, I wouldn't be that surprised. Um, and likewise with people like Eric Dyer, I think, is, again, as, 
as passionate as they are and as much as they, they give everything they can for the club, um, I, I think whilst we could still get some money for players like that, it might be worth cashing in. James, if we stay on the subject of Harry Winks, Sean mentions the system and not quite sort of suiting what Winks does. Is there a danger, I guess, of him being sold to, I don't know, let's pick out Manchester United or Manchester City out of the air, and then they build a team around him, he flourishes, and we sell a better player who then goes off to do great things? Yeah, but there's, you know, there's always that, that risk, Dan. Um, I, I think, I, first of all, I don't think Winks will leave Tottenham um, this summer. I think he'd, he'd fight too for now to... Um, to to stay at Tottenham uh, just just because you know that that's where he wants to be and uh, and he's a proper Tottenham lad and 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 I, I can't really see um, a club coming in for him just because if you've got funds to, which clubs aren't going to have um, I don't think Harry Winks is the kind of player um, that they would splash out on um, but that aside back to the question I think uh, I, I agree that. Maybe the the four three three that that Mourinho wants to play might not be Winks's uh, best formation. Um, he'd he'd probably have to operate at the base of a three um, behind Lacelso and Andombele if we're talking our our, our best team. Um, and and you know that's that's not his best position. He he isn't uh, a defensive midfielder as such, a a, a ball winner. Um, but I, I I definitely think there's still a role for him in this squad. Um, especially with with the amount of minutes that we we've got to play, um, especially with how our, in, how uh, readily our players seem to get injured, um, I, I think Winksy can can certainly th- do us a job. And and there's no reason why he, he can't kind of become that that combative centre mid, uh, defensive midfielder if if he he put his mind to it. You know, look at Angolo Conte. He's you know, he's he. He isn't the biggest player, but he, you know, he's he's great on the ball, and he and he's great at getting the ball off players. So there's no reason why he, he can't learn that trade as a as a as a more defensive midfielder. But uh, you're right, there's a little bit of a worry that he might not fit into the system, uh, and then that's likewise for for players like Skip and and even players like George Marsh coming through, um, that they're not going to fit anywhere at Tottenham. Uh, but but for me, I, I I think he will stay at Spurs, and and I'm and I'm sure that he'll he'll fight for his place in the team wherever that may be. And Carl, if we look at incomings, there's one name that keeps getting linked with a well, not return, a inclusion to Tottenham, and that's Ryan Fraser. So I guess a two-part question here. First, do you think that deal actually gets over the line? Secondly, would that be an addition to the squad or a replacement? Um, this is a real interesting one, isn't it? There, that when when he gets mentioned, because I, I think, I, you know, again, if I look now, when you've got the sort of players we have, um, you know, in that position that he would play, again, you kind of sit there and think, I don't really see that as a necessity area for us to kind of bring someone in that. But I think everything will count, won't you? And if it's going to be a free transfer and you're bringing in a squad player who's got some Prem experience, you know, has done well at Bournemouth, you know, there's no arguing. He, he's, he's been one of their better players over the years they've been in the Premier League. Um, he's got a good track record for injuries, doesn't really get injured, plays a lot of games. I mean, if you're just, if he was to come in, I could see him being a squad filler. Um, but again, I, I'd probably prefer to see a signing like that than say, you know, let's say, as the guys are saying, Premier League proven and can come straight in and do a job straight away rather than, you know, someone would be saying, well, this guy's got potential, but we may have to wait 
say, two or three years before we see it. He may need to take time to adjust. So, again, I'd prefer to see that sort of signing. I'm not so sure it'll happen because, I, again, I don't think it's a position we need to fill desperately. Um, but if it's a free transfer, then I can see the attraction there. And James, we've also been linked heavily with Willian. So, in theory, you could have an addition on each side of the pitch in terms of wide forwards. Is that overkill? If that is the case, could you see two players moving on? And if so, which two are going out the exit door? Uh, I think it'll be one or the other um, in terms of Willian or Fraser or, or equally it could be neither. Um, it, it won't be both, uh, in my opinion. Um, I think with Willian, the only thing you've got to, you've got to contend with is wages. Um, that's probably quite a, a big addition to the wage bill. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a player who's probably at the, at the, at the further end of his, of his career, um, that just that little bit older. Um, on, the, on the flip side, he is a footballer that makes things happen. I think, you know, you've only got to look at the game at, at White Lane this, this season and, and William was probably one of the best players on the park. Um, and, you know, he's pretty hit and miss. You can, you can tell from, from the reaction of Chelsea fans, he can be quite frustrating. But he's certainly someone in the same breath of what, of what Carl says about Ryan Fraser. He's, he's certainly a, a squad player that could probably do a job for us. Um, so it, it's whether whether we feel we can afford his wages on top of uh, the wage bill we've got at the moment, um, and uh, and you know it's it's probably going to be a, a matter of, of choosing between someone like uh, Willian or, or Fraser. Um, in terms of going out to to, to make room, um, obviously we're not going to sell someone like Steven Bergwijn. He, he's going to be a massive part of the squad. Son as well. Um, so that's that's two players in wide areas that. Are, Really should be knocking on on the the, the first team. Um, so you're looking at your your Lucas Mora, your Eric Lamella, and you know Jack Clark. Got to mention there as well. He he he's probably one that's that's for the exit as well. Um, personally, I think Lamella could be could be used in in more of a, a central position. So he you know he he covers that Lo Celso playmaker role in in my head. Um, and that leaves Lucas Mora, who is hasn't really been playing out wide anyway. He's been uh, deployed as a centre forward, so whether you'd have to make have to make room for for these kind of players, I'm not too sure. Um, but you'd certainly have to, yeah, trim the wage bill uh, a little bit if someone like William was going to have to come in because, uh, he's, yeah, is he's, that's something that you're going to have to contend with. He's, he's probably on quite a quite a high sum. And Sean, one way to trim the wage bill would be the departure of Jan Vertonghen. So if you're a betting man and you looked at the odds, it's probably stacked, I'd say, 70-30 in terms of his departure over the summer. Personally, I would have liked him to sign a one-year contract and add something from a sort of senior pro mental point of view, which I don't think we really have enough in terms of Spurs at the moment. So what's your take on all things Jan? Do you think he'll stay? Who's really in charge of this decision? Is it the player or the club? Um, I mean... To speak about him as on the whole, I, um, you know, I, I couldn't love Jan Vertonghen any more than I do. Really, I think he's been such a, an unbelievable servant to the club, and and, and I, I'd include Larice in this as well. In that we, we signed them um, the same summer, I believe, twenty twelve, I think it was, um, and they, I, in my opinion, stuck with Spurs through some, you know, really really tricky periods from your, you know, signing under AVB to then playing under Tim Sherwood suddenly, and then. The early days under Pochettino were a little bit rocky, and um, I, I think credit goes to both of them for for sticking with the club and remaining loyal, and um, and, and you know credit goes to them for that. And and look what sort of a legacy Vertonghen has built at the club. You know that that performance against Dortmund last year at Wembley. Um, you know if 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 he does go this summer, 
Um, you know, I'd remember him for that mostly, I'd say, because of obviously the run we went on to the Champions League final off the back of that. So um, he, he's been an incredible servant. I think to, to discuss the, his future, I think it's entirely in his hands. Um, I think, uh, we, as you say, we, we, we could do with someone like that in the squad. If you look this year, for example, his role in the FA Cup against uh, Middlesbrough and, and Norwich in the last round, obviously scored against Norwich. Um, he, you know, he, he's shown that he can fill that gap and he can be really important when we need him in those games. Um, so I, I personally, I'd like to see him stay for another year. Um, I think if we know as, as a group of fans that it's his last year, we can give him a great send-off and um, I think he could go out on a high because of that. So I'd like to, I'd like the club to do that. Um, but it, it'd be interesting to see what happens. I mean, today, Thiago Silva announced that he'll be leaving PSG on a free this summer. Um, he's a little bit older at 35. So um, potentially, if we were to look at him, I know Mourinho is an admirer of his. If we were to look at him, is it worth the... The risk, he obviously is going to be very demanded for and, and the wages will be very high. Is it worth keeping for Tongan because of his relationship with the club instead of signing someone like that? I don't know, but I'd like to see him sign a, a new deal, if, if not just for that year alone, really. Yeah, I'd have to echo those, those sentiments. I think it'd just be good to have him around the club for one more year. You know, you can sort of bring Tanganga through a bit more as well, just that extra presence which helps. I just I think there's not really enough of that. Yes, we've got you know, a great nucleus of a squad at sort of different ages, but sometimes you just need those sort of those senior pros to sort of guide you through even further. So fingers crossed that is the case. But Cole, we need to talk about Ryan Sessignon. What role will he play come the restart, or not just come the restart, into next season? Is it left back, left forward? What is he actually going to do for us? Yeah, I think we're yet to see kind of where he's really going to kind of fit in and what role he's going to play. You know, I don't think, you know, he hasn't really shone in either position that he's played so far, has he? But again, that's that's coming with, you know, adjusting to the step up to the, the big club um, and then obviously starting off injured and then trying to get back in. The club weren't playing, you know, we weren't playing well, were we? So it was, wasn't an easy adjustment. Yeah, you know, from what we know of him with his pace and everything, you know, I think there's there's a few people who've got high hopes that he could become kind of like the next Gareth Bale, aren't there? You know, there's similarities there between them in pace and everything like that. Um, I think given if, if we if we look at the restart and possibly early next season, I think given that we've only got Ben Davis there right now, because obviously Rose, I think, will move on, you know, properly come the summer when the transfer window opens. I can see him kind of doing a mixture of both, to be honest, where he's filling in at left back in certain games. If Jose wants to switch it round, um, he might get a run out left wide in certain games. But again, when you look at the competition he's going to have for that position, you know, he's not going to knock Sonny out the side, is he, at all? So I think he's going to have to start trying to get himself that left-back berth and try and make that his own to begin with. And if he can, he's got the attributes where, you know, we're saying we need to look for a full-back. But if, if he can kind of, you know, develop into that position, he's got the pace that you kind of need to be a, you know, an, a modern-day attacking full-back. Um, so he could fit in nicely there, but I still think we're possibly maybe a year or so away from seeing him really develop and come on. Um, and I could possibly see him as a being more of a wide player, you know, possibly a wing back rather than just an out and out fullback. Yeah, I think it's too early to write him off. I mean, I know we paid what thirty million for him, and people are sort of using that as a stick to beat him with. But I guess 
versatility can be a help and a hindrance because sometimes you can be sort of playing in many positions and you don't really know what's your best one or what you grow into whereas if you had just one role it's what you perfect so I think he's trying to find his feet at a bigger club than Fulham and it's just going to take a little bit more time so certainly don't write him off just yet there's more exciting things to come on that front but James in terms of goalkeeping it's something that Sean mentioned about Lloris do you feel that Gazaniga is the rightful heir apparent to Lloris's gloves do you recommend getting in another goalkeeper, which hopefully isn't Michelle Vaughan, who can eventually take the number one shirt, be that, you know, straight away with a sort of progression in mind of 12, 18 months? I don't know, let's pick a name out the air. Onana from Ajax. You know, how do you see the goalkeeper situation panning out over the mid to long term future? Uh, so, I mean, a bit of a boring answer for you, but I, I think uh, that this year is obviously is not going to be the year for Larice to move on because, you know, again, going back to the, to the funds issue. Um, I don't think we've got the money to, to be able to throw a new goalkeeper. And even if we did, um, it's all about the priorities. Again, yet again, we've got to think about what, what positions we need to improve on desperately. And uh, for me, a goalkeeper isn't an immediate priority for us. I think Lloris, um, is, you know, he has his moments, but so do all goalkeepers. You know, Gazaniga was having that purple patch of form until he tried to karate kick Willian in that Chelsea game, you know, and, and then people started to realise that, you know, he's he, maybe he's, he has got a mistake in him. Um, for me, I think Lloris has, has rescued us so many times and, and has earned us points in football matches that, that no other goalkeeper would have earned us. Um, and I think he's been a fantastic servant, servant of, the, of the club. And I still think he can be. I think, I think he's still got a massive role to play. Um, people say that he's he shouldn't be captain because he's not as vocal um, as, as someone like Harry Kane, not as much of a, as a, of a traditional leader. But you know he's been captain of this football club for for a, a number of years. He's been captain of, of his national team for a number of years. There must be something behind the scenes that means that Hugo Lloris is a very successful captain, and I think he is a very successful goalkeeper too. Alongside that, um, in terms of a long term plan. I think we're looking two seasons down the line, um, barring any kind of Joe Hart kind of style, uh, just complete mess up of, of his career. Um, I, I think he could be our goalkeeper for another yeah, two, two to three seasons. And, and then we, we can think about um, where we're at with money to spend for a goalkeeper, who is available and, uh, and maybe just demoting Lloris to second choice where he can still pass on that 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 knowledge and, and still be a, a part of part of the club. Um, Gazaniga for me is 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 always a, a good second choice, but he hasn't quite got the quality or the attributes to to be that first choice goalkeeper. Um, so you know he, he's fulfilling his role in the squad at the moment, but when it comes the, when the time does come for for Lloris to step down, uh, I, I don't think it will be Gazaniga who who takes the reins as our number one. I, I just don't think he. Uh, he he has the quality to do so. Well, Sean, the age-old question is how do you help someone like Harry Kane? What additional firepower can you see Jose getting his hands on in terms of an out-and-out forward? And if so, what names in that position would you like to see? Well, I mean, yeah, just a, it's the age-old question, isn't it, really? Um, I mean, it's a, it's a really tricky, tricky question. And, and I think we've, over the last five years or so, boxed ourselves into the corner a bit in terms of um, you know, Harry Kane has very much been the figurehead and it's very much been a case of we're going to play this way and we're going to play with Kane as a, the solo striker, so to speak, and have a lot of, you know, 
wide attacking midfielder surrounding him. Um, so I, I think we've we've put ourselves into a bit of a trap there in terms of, you know, it's, it's so hard for someone to come in and, and be a, a secondary striker as the million secondary strikers we've had over the last 10 years have, have proven. Um, it's such a difficult role to come and fill. Um, but I mean, it's it's one to it's one to have a little look at. I mean, Man City did it very well with Gabriel Jesus and, and, and Aguero in that they rotate them quite a lot. And, and despite Jesus being quite young, he seems to be a very good fit for that. Um, and, and obviously could take over from Aguero when he does move on or retire or whatever happens. But um, I mean, no one stands out for me. I mean, our, our eyes lit up last summer when the talk of someone like Dybala came about. And um, I, you know, I'd still love someone like that at the club, obviously. But as the boys have mentioned before, I, I, it's not the sort of market that we can start making moves like that, I don't think. Um, but, it, it, I mean, I'm, we've obviously got a player there in, in the academy and in the uh, the youth setup in Troy Parrott that a lot of people um, uh, you know praise a lot. And from what we've seen in the uh, UEFA Youth League games that he's played for Spurs, um, he could be a real asset for the club. Um, Mourinho's mentioned before that he doesn't think it's quite right in terms of the environment at the moment. He doesn't think Parrott's quite in the right mindset um, to step up and, and be a member of the senior squad in full. Um, so I think for the time being, we're going to we're gonna have to sit tight. And I think we've got a fantastic supporting cast going forward in Sonny and, and Stephen Bergwin and Mora and, and Delhi at times as well. So um, I, I think if we're, as long as we're, we're going to stay to the system that we are in that Kane's the figurehead, uh, having that supporting cast is probably, or, or adding to that supporting cast, so to speak, is probably the, the sort of transfer we'd be looking at. Carl, I guess the danger here is, though, that that supporting cast, we've been here before, haven't we? You know, God forbid Kane gets injured again, but the argument always after that is, why have we not gone into the market and got someone? So we've had our fingers burnt as a club and our support so many times. Surely, market or not, this is the summer where we try and fix that. Yeah, you would think so, wouldn't you? Because um, obviously, you say we've managed to get away of it in previous seasons, haven't we? Where I think then you know it kind of hasn't. We've we've all had the fear, but then actually, when it's come to it, you know, Son, Mora, people like that have kind of stepped in and actually done all right. But you don't want to keep relying on that. You know, at some point, you do want another out and out striker um, to cut me to come in where that's a natural position. Um, obviously, Troy, I think, is probably a couple of seasons away or a couple of years away from maybe, you know, kind of hitting the mark that we're all hoping he might. Um, you know, again, I think he could probably be someone who could do it alone um, and get him out playing regular first team football in the championship, you know, and see him develop. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think that we do need to finally kind of nail this down and bring ourselves in someone who can come off the bench and possibly, you know, at least have an impact. Or, like as you say, when Kane maybe needs a rest, you take him off. Or you play both of them together in certain games, you know, where you might just need that second second man up top. So I do think we need to try and look to rectify that position and get someone in that can do that job. The problem is you are looking at who you're going to bring in. Um, and for some reason, we seem to turn our nose up at players, say someone like Danny Ings or someone like that. But again, we're looking for somebody who you're saying is going to come and be happy that they're not probably going to be the main striker to start with but can come and do a job. And you're looking for people that you need someone with experience because I say the key for that is that you're able to have someone who, when they're called upon, can come in and knows what to expect, knows the league, 
and you've got faith that they can come in and do the job straight away and rather than you know the signings we've done in the past where we're thinking well you know this guy's got to adapt to the league and you know we've brought him from this league this a Janssen where it was like yes okay he took you know he took the league he was in by storm but again there's a big step up from you know that sort of league to the Premier League so I think we need to learn our lessons we've had our fingers burned and let's just make sure that that doesn't happen going forward again. Okay, James, let me throw a name at you. That name being Timu Puki. Let's assume Norwich get relegated. You don't necessarily want, you know, another striker like Odson Edouard because ultimately he'll take the place of Troy Parrott, which stunts his growth. What I'm trying to propose here is that you need someone who's a little bit older, will probably only be there for about two years, and then when Parrott's ready to finally take Kane's place or help him assist, Puki can just move on elsewhere. But you just need someone to sort of bridge that gap for a couple of years who's got Premier League experience, knows how to score goals... Is that the worst scenario, scenario I've ever put to you? Not at all, mate. I think I think it's a very good shout. Um, I think the only stumbling block would be um, Norwich's asking price. Obviously, he he makes up such an important part of their team. Um, you know, if if he leaves, then they struggle for goals, and ultimately they they probably get relegated from the Premier League. Um, not that they they're probably going to avoid relegation anyway, but. Um, you know, I think it's a great shout because we need someone who who isn't, you know, like we say, he isn't coming to Tottenham to to be the main striker. Um, but he's also, like Carl alluded to, he's not coming just just to sit on the bench. Um, we need someone who can who can come on and, and change change it up, whether it be with Kane or without Kane. Um, and and Puki, you know, he had an absolutely fantastic start to the season. Um, there's no reason why he, he he wouldn't be able to recreate that. My only worry would be. Um, that you know, it's the same as what I say for Danny Ings, is that I think these players thrive on on being the the main man at the club. Um, that you know, they 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 thrive off being the talisman in the team, and their form would probably take a hit if that was kind of stunted. If, if they weren't starting every game and they weren't the the main man at the club, um, then then they wouldn't kind of get, get you know play play the same way. Uh, we saw Danny Ings at, at Liverpool. When he was fit, it wasn't quite the same. Um, you know, it's a big step up to make, and you go from being the big fish uh, to being the little fish in the big pond, and and, and it's it's not quite the same for them. Um, but you know, it is a problem that we need to find a solution to. Uh, you look back over the years, and we've we've always had uh, a, a decent number of strikers. It's never just been just been the one the way it is with Harry Kane. You can argue for Lucas Moura and Son, but that they're not natural centre forwards, and you know, you look back at teams where we had Keane, Defoe, Pavlichenko, everyone playing in, in, in the same system, um, and and you know, we managed to make it work then. So there's no reason why we, we can't manage to make it work now. Um, it, it's a it's something that needs sorting because Harry Kane's injuries um, mean that he's he's not going to be able to play uh, every minute of every match, and so hopefully, as you say, Troy Parrott is going to be the the man who kind of takes the mantle and and becomes that 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 second striker but he's clearly not ready yet and so we need someone to bridge that gap whether it could be someone like Pookie or or Ings and whether our our, our bank account allows it uh we we need someone to take that pressure off Sean is the fundamental question this that Tottenham as a team can't win the Premier League with only one recognized forward yes you mentioned the supporting cast and they do a job very well but when you look at great Premier League teams or even just teams that won the Premier League, there's always been another option. Is that the thing that's holding Tottenham back? Um, 
as you say, the, the, the supporting cast is, is, the, is the thing at the moment that is indirectly holding us back, perhaps, in that you look at the, the likes of your cities, and, and I guess mainly Liverpool this season, in that they've got three forwards who, although Firmino is very much the figurehead and, um, and you know, he's the central man, they've got two wide men in Mane and Salah that, that also play in that sort of forward position and they can contribute the goals. I think we've proven in previous seasons, and I quote me if I'm wrong, I think it was 2015-16 where we had four players. The, the last season at Lane, so it might have been 16-17, we had four players, I think, that all got above 10 goals, or it might have been five players um, in Kane Alley, Ericsson, and it might have even been Nasser Chadley, I think, that we could chuck in the, in the mix there with Sonny as well. Um, I, I think we it's probably about finding that balance in that if... if Kane's if getting the best out of Harry Kane is playing the system that we do, we've got to do that. He's the best striker in the world, bar Robert Lewandowski. Um, he, he's a Spurs boy. We've got to make it work for Harry Kane if possible. And if that means changing the system to suit him, that's what we've got to do. Um, obviously, from that list of players that did score X amount of goals in, in that season, uh, Ericsson and Chadley are no longer here. Um, Ali isn't quite hitting that amount of goals. I know he's got nine this season in all competitions and has done really well this year. Um, but we, we can't commit that many goals as, as we have done in previous years. So whether that means, uh, I know Mora I think has got seven in all comps this year, whether that means Mora moves on and someone comes in to fill that gap or, you know, someone like Lamella steps up. I think he's got four this year in all comps. Um, it, we, we'll have to wait and see. But I think if we, we've got to do what's best for Harry Kane as, as one minded as that is and, as, as you know, one man teamed as we might get called. Um, I think we've got to do whatever suits him, and if that means signing players that aren't typical strikers, um, that, that's what we've got to do. It's a difficult one, though, isn't it? You almost caught between a rock and a hard place because yes, you want to sort of keep your kingpin happy, but if that maybe is holding you back in terms of the breaking of the glass ceiling, which takes you to the highest prizes, then well, who's who's to make that decision? Not me, thankfully. But Carl, obviously, with any transfer, you need money. Now, in terms of finance, Tottenham have been in the news lately because they've taken out a whopping £175 million bank loan from the Bank of England. That said, I don't think the message is necessarily financial crisis because the interest rate is 0.5%, which, to be fair, it would be stupid not to take out a loan. So that sort of solves that question. But I guess the moral question is, should a club of our size be taking a government loan of that nature? Yeah, it's a, it, that is an interesting one, isn't it? I guess, obviously, the club are obviously really worried, aren't they, about the fact that, you know, how long before fans can go back in the grounds. And obviously, that is, you know, we were hoping, weren't we, that that was the real money spinner, um, given the facilities that we now had. You know, we'd seen the kind of sales that were being done on a weekly basis. Um, and, and that was the kind of money that was going to drive the club going in the right direction. When you also put into the fact that, now, given everything that's happened, we've probably lost a lot of key events that we were going to have at the stadium, weren't there? You know, there was the Anthony Joshua fight. Lady Gaga. Const- Lady Gaga, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we talk a lot of Gaga. Don't we? <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, you know, you've had those, those sorts of things have now gone. Um, you know, the NFL won't be there. You know, there was a rugby. Um, I think we're having England, the Rugby Ashes series there at some point as well. So... 
I think, you know, if you're looking at it and saying you've lost, you potentially have lost all that revenue, then I can see why the club have done it. You know, if the loans are there to be had um, and they're allowed to do it, then, as you said, Dan, it, it makes sense to do it, doesn't it? You're covering that and you're you're possibly, you know, making sure your future is secure. Do, should, should football clubs be, you know, taking money that size when you look at the businesses that might need that? Yeah, that that is a real tricky, tricky one to answer, isn't it? I guess the thing um, that kind of, you know, again, you you look at and the way where you could see people being really up in arms is suddenly Spurs take that sort of loan. And then in the summer, if the summer transfer window was to open, they go and spend 80, 85, 90 million bringing one player in because then... Quite rightly, you could have people saying, well, hold on a minute. If you've got that sort of funds for to bring a footballer in, why are you not just pumping that money? You know, why have you taken that money out of or, or potentially away from people that could need it more than you? Um, but that's not going to happen, is it? You know, I think we're, you know, Daniel Levy doesn't need many excuses not to spend any money, does he? And this year has just given him the perfect get get out, if you like, um, as to why he won't go and spend big. So I can see why they've done it. Morally, it's a hard one because I know people will say the money that's there. But what we've also got to remember is that sometimes they the that they may have to pay some of that money back, um, for, you know, to TV companies and that. Um, if things don't work out. So I think you've just got to cover all bases. And the, this is the one area you can't possibly accuse Daniel Levy of not being good at his job at. You know, he is the expert here. And I think he's taking this based on, I'm going to secure the future of the club. Well, that was going to be my next question to James, that obviously Levy gets a lot of stick, sometimes rightfully, sometimes wrongfully. But like I say, with an interest rate that low, it's almost, dare I say, free money to a sense of you know the value that you have to pay back. So... He has been quite shrewd here, and I guess he needs to almost be commended. Yeah, as as Carl says, he, he, he is the man um, for for this kind of situation. Uh, whether you agree with it or not, he's he's going to do what's best for the club um, to to keep us afloat. And you know, you got to think if if Tottenham ever did go into financial difficulty, you know, think think of the amount of layoffs around the club and think how much it it impact the community. Uh, and you know, there's a lot more to think about it. So. How, whatever you think about it, um, moral or immoral, uh, or immoral, uh, Levy is going to do the, the the best thing for the club. And uh, even though his his football brain is completely, absolutely awful, um, his his business head isn't. So um, he's going to do what's best for us, and he's going to keep us afloat. Um, and I, you know, I, I, we we've never really come into any kind of financial trouble while we, while we've been uh, under Levy. Obviously, we haven't had too many funds uh, in terms of transfer funds or, or whatever, but we have got a, a new stadium that that could have plunged us into financial difficulty, but it hasn't. You know, we, we've we've come out the other side of it um, fairly unscathed. So, yeah, he he's the man for for that kind of thing, and uh, and I, I I trust him on that kind that side of uh, that side of being chairman. And Sean, the final question to you. There's always talk of new owners with the club, you know, Enix selling up and all that. We've spoken about the transfer market changing dramatically. The whole financial landscape will have changed dramatically. So does that prohibit any potential new buyers, not this summer, but in the sort of short to medium term? Does it more importantly lock in Enix for a few more years? I think so. I think so. And, and um, you know, as you say, it's such a difficult climate now in that, um, it, I, you know, I don't, don't profess to be any sort of businessman, but 
I can't imagine investing in a football club and particularly a, a football club valued in the sort of region that Spurs are in that potentially one billion pound uh, bracket. Um, I, I don't think that's potentially the best investment right now, largely because of the situation with next season. I mean, obviously it was meant to start in two months' time in August, but who knows when the season's going to start um, and, and, and what, what that's going to bring with it. And I will, you know, will, will fans be back in stadiums? You know, will some fans be back at all? It's, um, it's really hard to know. And obviously the club, as, as the boys have said, have, have missed out on a lot of match day revenue from, from Spurs and, and non-Spurs events at the stadium. So it's a very difficult landscape. Um, I, don't, I don't claim to be a massive Daniel Levy fan by any means. I think, um, in, in my opinion, I think he's taken this as far as he can now. Um, and, and I think it was James was saying a minute ago about his, uh, his footballing brain potentially is what's holding us back a little bit or, or where he's lacking rather. Um, I, think, I think he's taken this as far as he can now. And I think if we want to take that next step and be a, a, a big club, potentially that means going for new investors and new owners. But I think what comes with that is obviously a warning from some Premier League clubs in the past that have had big investment and uh, obviously a very different time and a different um, circumstance. But someone like Portsmouth, of course, were were promised riches and it, it didn't work out for them. And, you know, there's a million and one clubs who have been promised the same thing and it's not worked out. So I think we'd have to be quite careful in terms of new owners and, you know, not going for... Um, or not wanting anyone too risky to come in. Um, but I think that the position that Levy's put the club in now is a very good one. You know, we're a, we'd be a real asset and a, a, a real viable business option for anyone to come in. Um, and the market that he's put us in, I think, is leaning towards America now, obviously, with the NFL integration and the potential for a London franchise here, um, the, you know, the Nike deal and things like that. I do feel like we're moving towards that American market. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if we do attract an American owner, perhaps. And we've seen that Liverpool have done quite well with, with American owners and obviously a very difficult thing to compare. But I think potentially Levy is getting ready to sell up. He's getting us in a position where we're obviously a very attractive proposition for someone. But as you say, I, I don't think the, the next year or so is by any means the right landscape for a, for a takeover. Yeah, I'd imagine it, well, it's hard to put an exact time frame on, but at least two, three years, I'd imagine Enix still at the club. Whether that's good news or bad news for the listeners, I don't know. Right, that's full time. We've uh, hit about 45 minutes or so, maybe a little bit extra, not to worry. Next week, it's the preview show, the big one. We look ahead to Manchester United, we look at all the sort of training that's going on, the first 11 that you'd pick for that game, and we'll also look back at the big one, yes, Norwich, that friendly on Friday night, so looking forward to that one. Just need to do the admin that is as simple as if you've got any questions, do send them in. We love talking through your talking points also. More importantly, I just need to thank my guests. Sean, excellent work this evening. I hope you enjoyed that and want to join us again soon. Yeah, pleasure as always, mate. Thanks for having me on. No problem, buddy. James, top effort. You're back in the groove already. Yeah, great to be back and great to be hearing you boys again. Cheers, lads. Cheers, mate. And Carl, fantastic work holding up the ball tonight. I'll see you on next week's show as we look ahead to that time with Manchester United. Yeah, cheers, mate. Really enjoyed that, lads. Top man. Right, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy, and as always, come on you Spurs. For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews, and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.